0: Um, we have problems in this world, and we've got to find ways to correct them. Uh, my world is in the pain world. We know that one in four people in this world is struggling with persistent pain on a regular basis. That would tell you that's about 80 million Americans, and it wouldn't be any rocket science today to understand that a healthy lifestyle and pain goes hand in hand.
1: Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I am the hostess and creator of this podcast and Podcast Network, where we are dedicated to effective thinking for potent exercise. Today, we are moving upwards and outwards into a conversation about elevating healthcare and wellness care on a pretty big scale with two very talented educators and physical therapists Dr. Adrian Lowe and Jen Ushold. This is a different type of conversation than we are used to having. We are zooming out to the bigger picture of exercise and healthcare. Rather than going inside an exercise or picking apart exercise science or having thought experiments about thinking different or deeply about our exercise, we are discussing. This course that has the potential to change medicine for the better worldwide. This is a very exciting episode if you are like me and are interested in changing how we support one another's health without the first line of care being surgery, shots, or pharmaceuticals. So The episode is going to highlight the Certification in Lifestyle Medicine course from Evidence in Motion, which is an organization dedicated to professional training for different types of healthcare providers. The biggest thing that they champion is just reimagining healthcare education and that it can make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and transformative. So it's being more transparent about healthcare, really. And the people inside the organization are extremely passionate. And that's who is joining me today, two individuals that uh, are um, from Evidence in Motion. And one of them is one of the founders, actually. His name is Dr. Adrian Lowe. And the Certification in Lifestyle Medicine brings exercise wellness and behavior change to the forefront of patient and client care in various types of practices, physical therapy, occupational therapy, behavioral therapy, and other types of licensed healthcare uh, practices or providers. So our two guests are Adrian Lowe and Jen Usold. The significance here is that Jen has been on the podcast before, and I will link to that show as well as her bio on the Evidence in Motion website. Jen is a physical therapist and it is actually someone that works alongside me and someone I recommend quite often to some of my clients. Her approach with patients has been strongly influenced by the Institute of Physical Art and the International Spine and Pain Institute, which is now Evidence in Motion. She's also a master certified wellness coach. coach. So she really takes a whole person, an environment, Approach to physical therapy and chronic pain, and I can say her work is very effective. And now Adrian uh, is a pain science pioneer. He is so easy to talk to, and we had some good laughs on everyone's behalf. Not, not, and he is the director of therapy, Therapeutic Neuroscience Research Group, which is um, an independent collaborative initiative that is studying pain and pain neuroscience. He's the program director uh, of the Therapeutic Pain Specialist and Pain Science Fellowship postgraduate program for evidence in motion. He has authored books for pain patients and for physical therapy clinicians. He is a certified spinal manual therapist and has co-authored over 50 peer-reviewed articles related to spinal disorders and pain science. So we have a lot of knowledge and experience on today's episode, not including myself. I'm talking about them. (laughs) But speaking of, you know, I have a interest in sharing this program because myself and Gregory Gordon of Fitness for Consumption co-authored a few weeks of the content on exercise applications for the certification in lifestyle medicine. You'll hear... You'll hear us reference this a few times, along with another course that Adrian uh, created and that I took, called the Pain Neuroscience Education. I have referenced this certification many times in Think Fit Be Fit conversations. So it's such a cool. It's it's serendipitous. It's my honor. It, I am humbled to be able to bring you guys uh, the conversation and get to know uh, Adrian and Jen on a more conversational level. Although we are talking about the course, we also are uh, discussing what is the future of pain science, of healthcare, of exercise inside of healthcare. We are going to cover the comp, components and the pillars of lifestyle medicine, what inspires health behavior change. We talk about the um, having sleep issues and what that means for wellness care and pain care. And we also talk about something called downstream and upstream healthcare care. So very interesting. And thank you guys so much for being here. Head on over to thinkfitbefitpodcast.com to sign up for the newsletter so that you do not miss these conversations and you have the opportunity to discuss more nuance with us and more detail and more thought-provoking ideas about exercise being a big part of healthcare. And head on over to iTunes to leave us a review thank you for being a listener and for being a part of our community as well as being an outside of the box thinker when it comes to exercise and fitness. I look forward to hearing from you on Instagram or the newsletter and please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Adrienne Lowe and physical therapist Jen Usehold. And I just am so honored to have you both here because you both have influenced my work in my clinic. And of course, um, the listeners of the podcast, we had a great uh, conversation over a year ago, Jen, on the podcast, I'm sure you remember. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've talked um, talked about a number of things. And one of the big takeaways I got from that was um, integrating how your work and how passionate you are about integrating pain education into different, um, into healthcare. And then Adrian, your work is a lot of, you do a lot of things, but one of those is integrating pain education into different sectors of health. Um, I heard you say once that on a on the uh, Pain Reframed podcast, actually, that your work, um, education is really good. Not the main thing that needs to happen when it comes to um, health changes, but it's about putting on the extra strategies to make it all actually work. Um, I would uh, love to know, know more about you know, how you two, you know, put together the lifestyle medicine course and uh, who it's for and maybe what the difference between just promoting a healthy lifestyle and incorporating lifestyle medicine into a practice.
2: I came in when the program was already deemed it's a go. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Adrian, do you wanna answer how you guys got to the point where you brought me in and then I can address the healthy lifestyle versus lifestyle medicine?
0: Yeah, um, Jennifer, I don't know if this is the right answer, but um, it's very simple. Um, We have problems in this world and we gotta find ways to correct them. Uh, My world is in the pain world. We know that one in four people in this world is struggling with persistent pain on a regular basis. I would tell you that's about 80 million Americans. And it wouldn't be any rocket science today to understand that a healthy lifestyle and pain goes hand in hand. Um, And we can talk about causation, causality, all those things, but the bottom line is, um, we do know that pain affects people that are not physically healthy and vice versa. And so it would make no sense. You know, we're spending so much money trying to help people with pain and and hear me correct, we are dedicated to that. We will do it till the day I say my last breath. We all work as hard as we can, but why wouldn't we start earlier upstream? And that is where, for me, lifestyle medicine comes in. What if we promoted more than just helping people that hurt, but what if we made people healthier, better better quality of life, so they chances of them, and it is data to prove it, um, have less chance of developing persistent pain? It's very much an upstream effect. Um, Bottom line is we're tired of being downstream. Um, There's, you know, by the time patients walk into our clinics and they're tired, They are so afflicted things that Jen would work with in the clinic. I would be dealing with, Um, why don't we start with a healthier lifestyle? There's so many cool things. And that's where we came up, not came up with this idea. I mean, Jen's been around this more than I have been, but um, it would make total sense for us, even as a healthcare at large, regardless pain. To start investing in health, right? we always invest in sickness. We invest in disease. We invest in medicine, but we don't invest in wellness and um, uh, lifestyle choices and those those kind of things. So that's where a lot of this comes from. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The I, I love that idea of you know being able to work in a different current than this. Like, you know piling on effect of like what the downstream does. So if a a downstream, meaning in my head, I'm thinking, um, you know, the multiple lifestyle diseases, or, I don't know, precursors of or signs of and uh, sleepless nights creating, um, you know, metabolic, you know, health issues and all that. So I love the idea of, yeah, seeing something more upstream, um, you know, as we didn't mention, we Jen and I we mentioned this on the last episode, but your your work with the uh, middle schoolers and pain science, so that's a very good example of working upstream, you know. Um, Jen, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, so part of that upstream for me is when I was going through the pain science fellowship, it just kind of dawned on me that the way to promote and stay healthy is not that different from what we're doing to address um, persistent pain. It's just how are we utilizing these tools? And it may be that we're utilizing more of one and less of another. And the way I describe it to clients is if you have a cold, we all know that we need a little extra rest, we need more fluids, we need good nutrition. And we need all of those things, even when we don't have a cold. So it's just, where are we on the continuum? And when we have this menu per se, or this toolbox, what are we gonna use that's gonna best get us to where we are, regardless of our starting point? And to your comment about the difference between healthy lifestyle and lifestyle medicine, Lifestyle medicine has a definition attached to it. Um, It is evidence-based. It is by trained providers. It is looking at the six main gears, which I'm sure we'll get to later on, versus healthy lifestyle. I think that's more of just a phrase, Um, and I think it can be very subjective, we can just search healthy lifestyle on the internet and we're going to find die hard dogmatic people pushing the envelope in any number of directions versus lifestyle medicine, which is a new-ish phrase, but certainly not a new concept. We can really date it back to Hippocrates. and the evidence is is vast with lifestyle medicine.
1: Yes, um, as I was, I had my hand in that <laughs> firsthand. With uh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, so um, audience, uh, I did uh, write a por- cor- portion of this course, uh, the exercise applications for lifestyle medicine, and um, I had an interesting experience that I wanted. To, I will um, share in a little bit, but I want to. Get um get some more information out about this course. It is absolutely important. One of the things that really um I attach to when uh you know e- e- working with evidence emotion, motion and taking your uh courses as a student is that um health is not just a singular a you know person um timeline you know it's not just my health it is the community ripple effect it is the example that i set for whoever i'm working with um it is you know and the example i set for my dad or my brother and that to me um it's just very touching and it's something i really latched onto so just to say all that to say that this course is very important and so i want to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts if um that would be uh so we could start with what you said the gearbox um or we can kind of think of them as the the pillars um also can you tell tell us what those are and why uh why why the gear as the icon what what is that
2: okay so There are four main pillars to pain science, which are education, pain, I'm sorry, education, goals, sleep, and exercise. And then the two crossovers into the lifestyle medicine tenants are sleep and exercise. We also have social connectedness, stress, nutrition, and um, avoiding risky substances, alcohol, uh, tobacco, et cetera. So there was that crossover. And then we really wanted to highlight it because, again, All of the gears that are not part of pain science are essential to comprehensively treating someone with pain, and all of the pieces of pain science pillars are also really important. We know that it's very important to educate and have goals with our lifestyle medicine clients as well. Uh, Brianne is this extraordinary artist with EIM, and she was actually in Virginia with me doing some recordings for the middle school program. And we just sat at my kitchen counter and we went through many, many ideas and we came up with the gears. And to me, the gears are so strongly representative of what we're trying to accomplish because it is never one thing that got someone into any particular situation of health or pain. And it is certainly not one thing that's going to get them out. And so if, they're not ready to work on sleep per se, we can kind of nudge sleep along if they're ready to dive into exercise or nutrition. And so that's kind of where they're all interconnected. And it also allows us to really meet our client where they are and not push our agenda on them.
1: And uh, Adrian, what is, um, and how do you see the, the difference between just promoting a healthy lifestyle and incorporating lifestyle medicine into a practice?
0: I think Jen already answered it, right? Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing is we all have ideas. Mm. And um, what makes us different than probably any other person is the science, the research behind it. I do like the word medicine behind it because it's an actual um, entity within the medical community that is working on lifestyle behavior changes. It is not just, again, all of us know there are people at like promoting nutrition, exercise. There's, there's all these experts out there, right? We all see there's there's libraries filled with what we should eat tomorrow and what we should exercise, whatever. But what I do like about this idea is that there is science, there's research. I mean, we, by our name, Evidence in Motion, we fo- focus on research. What does the evidence tell us? And we can take research and evidence and put it on a hierarchy scale of this is good evidence, this is not good evidence. And so there's based on that under the idea of, um, and, and again, lifestyle medicine, Jen is the expert here, not me, but it, it it fits in the medical realm. And I do believe it comes from the idea that there are medical providers that have gotten very tired of, upset, if you will, at the status quo, that we are only working on illness and sickness. What about promoting all this? So it's not just promoting wellness. It is There's actual science and it's a dedicated strategy of multiple parts, which is kind of what Jen was saying there. But that's that's how I see it, Jen. I'm probably way off target here, but that's how I see it and how I view it, at least.
1: Okay, so uh, I had to unmute myself. <laughs> um, no, that was, I, you know, I I wanted to get your perspective because, um, I mean, the. You know, I think it's just interesting um, that from afar, you know, and and looking at um, your body of work, that you come from a strong physical therapy background, a strong manual therapy background, and this is just another um, evolution. I was really intrigued by... the um, PNE plus pain neuroscience education plus and how um, exercise is such an important part of pain neuroscience education. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get more insight. I'm just so curious about, you know, your evolution as um, you know, in, in your vocation in this like incredible teaching role that you've, you know, built. So, um, you know, that for me was a great response. <laughs> um, and let's see, I have, I would love um, to go back to this lifestyle medicine course and um, pain science. Uh, can we, I would like to discuss, discuss like the crossovers of the goals of pain science and, or pain education and lifestyle medicine. You mentioned sleep. I, there's not many uh, bodies of, uh, education bodies, educating people about sleep. (laughs) Outside of a few pop science books, I haven't seen much at all. Um, Where would you like to start on the subject of sleep, Jen? And crossovers with the goals.
2: Yeah, so my sleep passion began (laughs) with my education in pain science Um, and actually another group that I'm involved with, which is where most of my manual training is from. There's also a big dedication there to the airway component. So when I'm addressing sleep with clients I'm kind of breaking it down into sleep hygiene as well as looking at nutrition and supplementation around improving sleep and then this other piece of how do we enhance airway and we know that sleep is essential even though people think it's a luxury for every single solitary system we have and Adrian can talk more about the bidirectional connection with pain but there's actually a stronger connection to sleep impacting pain than pain impacting sleep, even though they are bi directional. Um, and so then out of that, you know, seeing that it's one of the key pieces of lifestyle medicine, we just, we built upon that in the lifestyle medicine program. So now not just the impact of sleep and pain, but now how does sleep impact all of your systems and the risk to lifestyle related diseases and performance and things like that?
1: Yes, I would love to go down this uh, sleep and pain direction. My, My ears perked up during that. So Bi directional. Um, can you explain that a little bit? And um, what was the other thing? Um, that pain affects sleep and pain and that relationship. And then you went back and forth. Um, and then, yeah, I would love to hear Adrian's comments on pain and sleep.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest thing is, that, you know, I, I have said it for years anecdotally. Um, before the science, I've always said, if you can get a person with persistent pain to have meaningful sleep, game over. It's that powerful. Now, I never had science to back it. And then the research started coming out. The research started looking at sleep patterns and sleep behaviors and all those kind of things. And I mean, lo and behold, we're sitting here today in 2021, and the research is mind-boggling. And the studies are showing us right now, if you sleep for two days, you you have have less than six hours of sleep two days in a row, you are legally impaired, the same as drinking alcohol over 0.8, whatever the threshold would be. We can tie the biggest disasters in the history of mankind to sleep deprivation from the Challenger explosion to the... X and LBs, the list goes on. You know what really is interesting, Jennifer, and I know we talk about pain. um, The scientists have shown us, and we're coming up on it this weekend, (laughs) on daylight savings, right? Studies have shown us that if we take away one hour of sleep, which we do, right? So in in, in the springtime, we spring forward, and the fall, we fall back, right? And for our global um, listeners right now, they're probably completely complex. Why do the Americans move date times around whatever? But I mean, we have daylight savings. So during a calendar year, we take an hour away, we give an hour back. An interesting thing is they've now studied and showed that hour shift that we do increases your risk of a heart attack by over 50%. It's been calculated, just, to, just if you needed one statistic to show you how incredibly powerful sleep is. And if any of the people that are listening tonight today thinking, oh, yeah, but I'm one of those people that can get by six hours of sleep, I have not seen a shred of evidence to that effect. And it's not even remotely close. Maybe there's one in a billion people that I maybe heard of, but the science doesn't, it the, the the sleep is so essential for us on so many levels. As a as a neuroscientist at work in pain, I need you to understand that our brain does some of its most incredible work at night when we sleep, especially in the deeper phases of sleep. So, so you're the movement person, right? We talk about movement. Movement patterns are laid down at night. That is when athletes, um, uh, you know, I've spoken at many um, high-level sports performance conferences with professional athletes or whatever you can call it, but they have shown us in athletes, there's this idea of, you know, I got to burn the candle at both ends to be the best so I can get to the Olympic Games. It is total nonsense. It's the opposite. Stanford University, they've shown us their their swim team. When you add one hour of sleep, the times off the blocks, the turn rates are far superior than when they don't. I mean, the basketball players better shoot. I can go on and on. But my point is, sleep is so essential as a human being. And I haven't even said the word pain yet. And you don't want to get me started on that. But it is is—it is so incredibly important. And you can do it from a healthy lifestyle point. Or then, yeah, if you want to go down the pain path, it does disastrous stuff to you on a pain level. But, um, man, if the, people can just understand how powerful sleep is, good, solid, restorative sleep. Mm-hmm. On, Anyway, I'll I'll hang up and listen and they say at this point, but I'm, I you got me you got me going because it is so thinking cool. Sleep is just by itself so cool.
1: Yes, I've had my moments of a complete awe when looking at sleep literature and and studies. Um, something you would just said about the uh, you know in the performance specialist uh, you know from the performance specialist viewpoint, right? um, that athletes are kind of, are learning when they sleep. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting cause it's like, we learn at, you know, we retain at night. It's a skill, this movement that we're doing. And, um, it's not just all about like muscling through it and, you know, seeing how much you can take, you know, that's one of the things I have a lot to say about, Um, is the how we how we talk to people in the fitness industry, in the extra in the in in sports training, in the athletic training room, how we um, teach people how how to get the most out of their time. And it's funny because right now I'm in the middle of writing a course for football coaches, American football coaches, uh, working at the youth level, um, middle school, high school, probably more high school. And we really are changing the way that, uh, we approach, we're trying to change the way that they approach kids and teaching, you know, how to perform and, It's uh, so anyways, you hit, you hit a button with me there. Um, (laughs) Jen, um, let's go. um, So we can go down the, you know, the looking at exercise um, in a different way um, with lifestyle medicine, um, the, the viewpoint of exercise, um, you know, is more about uh, coaching and self selection from the client or the patient um i think that is it i well i'm i'm fairly certain this is a n- unique view in exercise training in general is that taking a more biopsychosocial approach to exercise is different um than what the education bodies in exercise are teaching even at the Undergraduate level, this is not being talked about, so we could go down that route, or um, we could talk more about sleep and you know the the other parts of lifestyle medicine, um, specifically the certification and what people are doing uh, with the certification. I know this is a fairly lengthy course, um, and it's fairly new. Um so I w- can we get some more I would love some more comments on that the actual course and how people are implementing it before <laughs> I, get, sure. I get I get I <laughs> get too excited about exercise <laughs> teaching. Uh,
2: yeah, so it, it is uh about a nine-month course. Mm-hmm. And I'll start out with what's unique in our lifestyle medicine program versus other programs because it's not the only one, is that we do have a six-week dedication to pain science. Um, they're just so interconnected, and we need to integrate pain science um, also along the continuum. And so that's really unique is having our our students go through that six week course. Um, we have courses that are dedicated to nutrition and maladaptive coping, and we have two courses that are faculty-led, which I think are quite fun, at least I hope they're fun for the students. Um, this is where we get into really the nitty-gritty of kind of what are lifestyle related diseases and how do these different gears play into them and then what are we going to do about it. So great. We know that, you know, diet impacts health. How can we change that? And this is where we then introduce the knowledge of both the trans theoretical model of change, which is understanding where a client is. So if a client comes in and you're like, yeah, you know what? you got to start lifting weights three days a week. And they're like, you know what? I've been sitting on the couch for the last eight years. We need to start with where they are. And they may be willing to get up once every 20 minutes and walk around their house. And if that's where they're ready to go, that's where we start. And if we're not cognizant of where they are in this model of change, we're going to lose them. And so it's not their responsibility that we didn't meet them where they were. And within that, we also use a concept called motivational interviewing. And this is a collaborative communication style, which is where we're really listening to the client and we're asking questions so that they can create their own answers to reaching the goals that they have. And so both of those things are key pieces to implementing lifestyle medicine once you have the knowledge and the background. And we have most of the coursework is virtual. Um, We're going to be kind of flip flopping one weekend intensive course, which is a two day weekend intensive, and we have had two cohorts one is finishing up this Wednesday our second one, and their final project I call it taking it to the streets, and so what are you going to do with all of this knowledge that you've gained. So they're putting together just a short PowerPoint presentation and as excited as Adrian gets about pain science, I get that excited seeing what these students are doing. Um, My entire intention is to expand the pain science and the lifestyle medicine ripple because, you know, we as individuals can't do it all. It is very exciting. We have college professors that are integrating lifestyle medicine courses. We have clinicians that are two and three and four clinicians within the same health complex. And they are approaching their bosses and saying, Hey, this is how we're going to integrate it. We have people creating infographics and creating lifestyle medicine for their TVs in their waiting rooms. And we have students that are ready to take it to five case. So they are so creative and coming up with amazing ways to get it out there. Which to me is
1: the most exciting part. Yeah. Well, well that that uh, I mean that that literally warms my heart to hear that um, t- because, um, like I said before, the uh, the model for teaching exercise is um, what's the right word? Uh, vapid. It's you know um, lacking a lot of uh, real influence. Um, unlike your both both of your work has real influence to help people gain tools, and um, so with that, uh, can we talk again about the I guess the crossover goals? Like, why is pain science? Why is there a six week intensive in the pain science? I'm sorry if you already said it, but I think it's worth like repeating. Do you want
2: Adrian's take on why we included pain science? Since you already yes. got my take
1: yes
0: oh it's easy jen told me to put it in so we <laughs> That's just, there you go next question now um yeah you know when we developed the original plan and, and jen can correct me on this but this we we thought this was a lacking part um pain is such a predominant part of a society be people working out exercising that um it's part of the human experience um if you didn't experience pain you'd be dead right and so most of us when you go to the gym you're gonna be a little achy and sore you're gonna pull on a uh, resist- a resistance resistance band or lift a weight. Um, there, there's there's a lot of things about pain you need to understand. And by the way, it's not just pain; it's just understanding your body. I mean, when I look at pain science, it's not just about oh, this is how pain works. That's how, that's why you hurt. But it's also getting in touch with your body. When I feel something, what do I feel? Is it normal? Is it okay? Uh, should I freak out? Was it like yeah, I got it. The guy had the funny accent explained it. I mean, it's so it's so the pain science part just fit in really well. A because a lot of people, again, it's a bi-directional process, Jennifer, where people hurt, but they got to exercise and people are need to exercise, but they, they can hurt. It's it's a very big reason why people are not moving is because they hurt or they're afraid they're going to hurt. And um, we believe that's a significant part. And so, yes, we teach you about pain and how pain works in the human body. And so when you do go out for a morning run and it's cold and you feel your knee, instead of going, oh my goodness, I should turn around and go back home you go, I got it. It's normalizing thoughts. It's reducing fear it's it's reducing catastrophization where you see the cup as more half full like yeah, i'm going to be okay i'm going to make this happen so there's a lot of cool parts i don't want people to be afraid and think oh my gosh it's six weeks just the deepest neurobiology on planet earth i'm not that bright i mean we take took the most complex stuff and made it simple where i get it we go oh that makes sense and so and we thought that was a missing piece um and jen can answer this too but that was a missing piece because they are so closely related and so many people deal with pain on a regular basis. So,
1: yeah, I, I see it on a regular basis as uh, how complicated the relationship with exercise becomes when it's intertwined with pain. Um, there's so much, uh, so much um, again, back to the fitness industry. Um They, there, there's a lot of, what is it? Um, chatter, um, a lot of instruction around, oh, correct this. Don't move that, but move this. And by itself is creating like a problem, you know, like in some sales 101, they, they want you to sell your client a problem in a way. And personal trainers are taught to do that. Um, And so there's a whole, I I call out personal trainers all the time in this uh, podcast. So, Um,
0: medicine, too. By the way, what was that? Medicine does too. We sell the bad Mm -hmm. so we can fix it and make money out of it. I just want you to know. Yes. Yes.
1: I, um, yeah. And I I did, I took the pain neuroscience uh, the six week. Um, course and it, uh, you know, that helped me, um, even with my own, uh, old injuries and, you know, having, um, just having a different conversation with our body and like that, that new belief system about, oh, you know, I do have confidence in my body. I do have confidence in my body's ability to change, and you know yeah so i i would even go so far as to maybe have some of my clients uh take a a a pain or a, a pain education course and that's what that's you know one of the reasons jen is so valuable to our practice and <laughs> is that we we send them on over even though i have um the certification and and i learned a lot from it i I don't, um, you know, I, I apply it. I sprinkle it. Jen likes to say I'm pain informed. (laughs) And, um, when I recognize that people are having, you know, there are yellow and red flags, we know exactly how to get them over to Jen for that critical piece of, um, their process, which is redefining and their belief system around pain. So, um, Is there anything else you'd like to share about lifestyle medicine education, either of you?
2: Yeah, I want to tag on a little bit to what Adrienne was saying about pain is a normal process. And I think a lot of times when we think about pain, it is emotional pain or musculoskeletal pain. However, one of the big targets with lifestyle medicine is the fact that we can prevent and treat and even reverse many lifestyle-related diseases. And so if we think about common lifestyle related diseases, cardiovascular disease, um, heart attacks, stroke, high blood pressure, obesity, even many cancers, pain is associated with many of these diseases. And so understanding pain far beyond the musculoskeletal system is also um, a reason why we felt strongly about keeping it in the lifestyle medicine course.
1: Yeah, I think that 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 did, uh, you know, some justice to the program, but I would highly recommend that people go over to the link in the show notes to, one, watch the presentation that um, Jen has put together on the program. And, you know, it's nine months long, um, so we can, you know, talk about um, what it, you know, that that having strategies to implement these behavior changes are really important, but you know, we, it's, it's a podcast. So I really encourage you to, um, spend some time looking at the materials and, um, how, and how do you direct people over to the program? Just what I just said, the landing page, watch the, watch your video and the presentation. Is there anything else I'm missing? Yeah, so
2: they have additional questions. There's a way to send an email or maybe there's a live chat or something on the w- website. And then that will filter to Colleen Lowe. And then she will either address the questions or she will move it on to um, me if necessary.
1: Mm. Um, okay, so uh, just one last, uh, it's a question, but it's ambiguous. Um, I would love both of your thoughts on integrating... Um, you know the more biopsychosocial uh, approaches in more this like wellness care. You know, we it obvious um, obvious to me. Um, and you guys started in psychology, and you know, seeing it evolve into pain science. And you know, what what is the next? What do you guys see as the next step for um, taking? like a biopsychosocial approach to health and wellness and out of, you know, getting people out of like just sickness care. Is that too ambiguous? Can I, do you want me to narrow that down a little bit more?
0: No, I think it's, it makes sense. Okay. I mean, we can, this is, We're having a really good conversation. We can keep going. Um, Biopsychosocial has become very trendy. It's a very long name, by the way, if you walk in and say, hi, my name is Jen. I'm a biopsychosocial <laughs> therapist, right? But what does it really mean? It just means basically being involved in the bio- biology our physical bodies that we have. We have psychology, we have the, the psyche, and then obviously we have the social aspects as well. Um, I believe we are actually getting way more biopsychosocial as a society, to be honest. You know, um, this is just going to sound really bad. <laughs> I just came out of a marketing meeting and I'm the old guy, so they had to explain to me what Facebook is and what what LinkedIn and Twitter and all those things is. So we kind of laughed. They made, made fun of me because I'm the old guy. But what I will say this, so Jennifer, you know, my wife and I talk about it every day. I, I look at this young generation that's out there right now, and I, when I say young, I mean no disrespect, but i'm finding the younger generation our future are the ones that are they're, they're really connected i mean things like mindfulness I, in my generation mindfulness was something weird that only a few people did on know somewhere else they don't, don't know i don't want to do that so people are becoming more aware of mindfulness they're becoming aware of stress reduction they're becoming more aware of being socially connected man we saw this during COVID to the nth degree right and so I think as people explore fitness wellness um um their own choices in life and, and living the most optimal life um you know I'm sitting here this is my apple watch I'm not sure if I can say that word but guess what every so many minutes it's telling me to take to to, to breathe and then um every now and then it scares the heck out of me by saying hey you need to be a little more mindful I mean and so what I'm, I'm actually really I'm not answering your question by the way and you've ne- never had me back on the podcast but um, what I really like is this idea that we actually as a society are becoming more that way. We're just now having this science behind it that goes, wow, mindfulness is stunning. Um, relaxation, brilliant, breathing. I mean, And so it's all of that plus all the social connection stuff. So um, I, I completely forgot what your question was, but I do believe as society is moving, so would all the fitness industry go with them, right? I think it's almost... I go back to years ago where I had the trainer in the fitness room. I, re- I can almost close my eyes and see the trainer, that proverbial high socks to the knees, tight shorts, you know, sweatband and you you eat, you know, live in whatever weights all the day, but there was no, they didn't care about your psyche or what you think and what you feel. I, I don't see that. I mean, like I said, I go to big sports teams and I work with their training staff, whatever. And it's, 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 it, it's mindfulness. It is, it's psyche. It's it's all those things are actually weaving its way into this every day. So I'm going to stop and hang up and let Jen correct everything I just said. <laughs> um,
1: I I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, so. the I you know I'm I'm a big thinker. You know, that's why my podcast is called Think of It Beef It, <laughs> um, because I want us to have explorations. I want us to have. Um, you know ideas about how good it can be as far as fitness and wellness goes and not just that and it that it doesn't have to be so expensive and so hard and and arduous it is our natural ability to learn feel good and feel joy with our movement and feel that we can express ourselves with our, with whatever activity we're doing. So if one of my clients and, you know, I work in, and I do more neuromuscular therapy and we work on movement patterns and, you know, different muscles uh, controlling the body. And, you know, if my client says they are here They want less pain and less tightness so that they can get on the floor and draw on a canvas, even though they've experienced hip problems and all this. I am not here to tell them, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, you know, show them that they can get more out of their body. And I can't have those conversations with them without having these kind of, you know, bubbles and thought, and thought experiments and stuff like that. So, um I don't know what question I asked either, but Jen, do you have anything to add?
0: <laughs> yeah, Jen.
1: I I think
2: that to Adrian's point is that many of things these things are much more present, right? People are paying attention to nutrition. We're not really succeeding because everything is so dogmatic and Mm -hmm. people are paying attention to mindfulness. So I think as providers, no matter what type of provider we are, we're doing our clients a disservice if we don't have some base knowledge around these things. We don't need to be experts in all six of the gears and all four pain science pillars, but we need enough to have a conversation with our clients and know, is this the right place for you, or is there something different to consider? And kind of you know, there's a million symptoms we have, and they can represent a million different things. So for me, a symptom is not really a symptom. It's more an invitation into someone's story. And then what are we going to do with that? So that's my thought.
1: Hmm. What are we going to do with their story? Well, um, I mean, the fact that you're listening for a story, you know, is going to differentiate you from most, um, applications, um, that, you know, there are just like so many different, um, as you say, it's not one thing, right. You're listening for that. So I think when you just even listen for that, the creative options for solutions is, uh, the new chapter, right. Um, So one of the things we put in the exercise applications part of the lifestyle medicine course is being a competent problem solver, you know, um, having a tool belt and saying, you know, welcome to your client. Like we have solutions. There's not one size fits all Um, because, you know, and that's obviously that, you know, crosses over to pain as well. You know, it's an experience. And I take that approach with exercise. It's an experience. It is not um, this way or it has to be that way. Um, if I could design a program, you know, for that person and they self-select and say, I will do your program, then we have, you know, a deal where I am prescribing exercises. But outside of that, I'm just a problem solver. I'm helping them be a problem solver of their, in their own ecosystem, their own environment. Um, and then I guess, uh, I got one more thing and then we will, um, sign off. Um, Adrienne, uh, on your, um, and this is totally off the cuff on your email signature. Okay. I saw it said, I think therefore I EIM can, um, would you do me the pleasure of, please entertaining me with what, what can you explain that? That was, I was so intrigued when I saw that.
0: Oh yeah. All it means is we've got a really clever marketing team that knows how to put <laughs> it right. But I mean, we, obviously there's a, you know, um, I think therefore I am is one of the, the classic statements. And at EIM, I mean, we're, we're an organization that's into education. We we train people from undergrad level, basically all the way through to the advanced post Graduate, you know, um, doctor in health science. So a whole spectrum, if you will. And so we are all about thinking. We're all about learning. We're all about studying. We're all about evidence. We're all about research. So we we do an enormous amount of research at, at EIM as well. And so, um, yeah, it's just um, you know we can we can again philosophically sit there and play with the words, right? I think therefore EIM. Um, well, mm-hmm. I think therefore, hey, go to EIM. I think mm-hmm. this is what we do. But um, it's just a nice play of words. But um, I think it's also we are very cognizant of what we are doing um I'll be honest I mean yeah we're talking today and I almost feel like this is a walking commercial um but I, I think <laughs> see this is a little different than that um we are a company a group that wants to make waves in the real world where we have mm-hmm. got too many drugs too many surgeries too many injections and we got too much sickness and, and, and illness we need wellness we need a middle school program which by the way Jen I shall did a ton of those students, by the way, don't think I did the program. I just thought about it and Jen executed it, so I want to make sure I give her kudos. But my point is, so so yeah, we are thinking about changing, and that's why things like lifestyle medicine, um, you know, things like behavioral health, uh, we have huge problems with behavioral health, with depression. Those mm-hmm. Anyway, we can talk about it all day, but um, so there is a very definite attempt at trying to disrupt the status quo right now. And that would be, and that's why a fitness industry people that are into fitness, wellness, exercise is a critical element of disrupting the current status quo. We gotta stop injecting, drugging, um, cutting as much as we are, and um, yeah. So I'll stop there. But that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: probably one way to look at it as well.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The uh, yeah the orthopedic complex. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's seeing people move out of that. Um, you know, uh, adhering to it and um is and and being able to you know listen even listen to some of the stuff that I learned in the pain neuroscience education course the PNE and you know the statistics of uh normal joint uh, health right and how just joints can change. Um, that alone is shattering uh, some of the, the, the complex of the, you know, orthopedic health. So yeah, there's, (laughs) there's, there's so much, there's, there's so much, but I, you know, to me, this is, I'm totally okay with this being a um, big ad for the lifestyle medicine course. As I said, I am so um, just honored to be a part of a a better way of healthcare and a better way forward. I'm, um, you know, I created this podcast out of a deep passion for seeing that change, uh, day in and day out with people changing their belief system and, um, finding their own, um, their own, being their own problem solvers you know and just uh, and and having more health and having more pain not pain free but less pain in their years and more movement and enjoying their exercise um enjoying exercise is a problem you know we've been promoting exercise and like you said like the education piece is there like people know the who and CDC guidelines of you know it's this many days a week, this many minutes, and most people aren't hitting the bottom levels of that. We know what the floor is. We have, we don't know the ceiling, and the, no people aren't getting to the first floor. Right, they're not getting there. And um, and we found this interesting study out of the UK that um, people that had were going to the physician. Um, who had, uh, you know, BMI, uh, higher BMIs and uh, comorbidities. Most of those visits did not include any conversation about uh, weight reduction, um, improving health at all. And I mean, I'd have to go back and look at that study, but it was, um, we were shocked when we but reading it. And it had um, it had surveyed close to 90,000 people, um, in the UK and they're about their doctor visits. So, um, and
2: yeah, you will be happy to know that, that, that study, mm-hmm. the students talk about it all the time. So in those two weeks, when we're doing exercise, that is what almost every one of them reference is how shocking that is. <sighs> so Good. Good job finding that
1: study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I you know I I lo- I thought I lost a, a leg on my chair when I I saw it. I was like blown away. So I'm glad it had the, it's it's having the impact because you know I I again like I can't say it enough. This this course needs to be out there. And um, is anything else that you all would like to add before we sign off? Nothing I can think of. Okay. <laughs> um
0: well, we all I can do is I can talk and talk. How long is this podcast? Three hours?
1: <laughs>
0: <not even> going.
1: <laughs> so
2: you get lottery tickets for how much you can talk. If I get lottery tickets for how many questions I can ask.
0: All right, then I will say no. This has been fun talking to you. And obviously, yes, I can talk to you all day. And if and when I find myself around Jen's clinic and around you guys, we can go out for a nice sit down chat about all things about movement, wellness, exercise and pain.
1: That would be great. That would be amazing. Thank you guys so much for being here. What an honor it is to have a conversation with these two, let alone work alongside one and also contribute to the incredible platform that is Evidence in Motion. Please go check them out and support them by sending out this podcast, to a healthcare practitioner that you know that is interested in becoming more lifestyle-focused, becoming more behavior-focused. You can also support the podcast with a review on iTunes. You can also be our friend on Instagram at ThinkFitBFit_Podcast. underscore podcast. You can find myself, Jennifer Simone. No jennifer underscore simone underscore schwartz on instagram have an amazing week and thank you again so much for being here